time. Lord bless him in Jesus' name. Let's give that unto the Lord in this house tonight. If you've ever experienced that amazing grace, oh, we every day, don't we? Experience that grace on a daily basis. That's right. We wouldn't make it. Wasn't for that amazing grace. Not even for the first encounter that we've had, and then to still be in the to be in the battle, to be in the race, uh, to be victorious. It takes that grace, that mercy, man. Holy Ghost to guide us and to help us along this journey. So good to see you all in the house of the Lord tonight. Uh, if you'd like, turn with us to um, turn to Exodus 40 and 34. We'll just read one verse in your hearing tonight and we'll go from there. Uh, it's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord on these Wednesday nights. Appreciate you coming and I know a lot of times the, the scheduling the way it is and the pressure for pulling from all different angles and direction. Man, we'll let the world and the flesh, man, have its way. You'd rob us of these midweek services. Thank God you don't. But you, you make your way here and to, to be in the presence of the Lord and to feel the touch of God and let the Lord have his way. And so we're thankful for that tonight. Exodus 40 and 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. How many of you are thankful that we have something actually that's even greater than the cloud and the pillar? Amen. We got the Holy Ghost to lead us. We got the Holy Ghost that abides with us, that goes with us. Amen. That's with us every moment along the way to be a voice in our lives, to be a guide and a help. Amen. In this whole world that we're living in tonight. Would you help me pray? God, we love you. Appreciate you tonight. We need your help. We need your anointing. We need your touch in this place tonight. The vein of the Holy Ghost and the power of God that would settle down upon this service on this Wednesday night. God, I ask you to reach down just in a special way to touch your people, to touch this service. To let the powers of your word, the powers of your presence. We're longing, God, for that glory to shine down upon us and operate through us here. Help us here tonight that the vessels that have came, every man, woman, boy, and girl that's walked in this place on this Wednesday night. Let the power of your word, the powers of your spirit to settle down upon us. I'm asking your Lord to bind up all the distractions, to bind up all the spirits that want to war against us, those things that want to hinder and prevent the progress of your will and your purpose in this local assembly. You'd help us, God, as vessels of yours. Amen. Filled with your spirit and washed in your blood. Amen. Your heartbeat and your desire would be felt in this house tonight. Your anointing would settle down and the powers of your presence would walk up and down these rows and they would be a move and a presence of you and you only. For that's the reason we have come on this Wednesday night, God. To hear your word, to feel your touch, to love and to worship you and to allow you to touch our lives. Allow you to touch our minds and our hearts and our spirit. To touch every child, to touch every young person, to touch every, every man, woman, born girl that's walked in this assembly. God, you know every need there is. You know every condition, every heart. You know those that weren't able to make it tonight with the powers of your word and the powers of your spirit and your angelic host would reach out to them and bless them and strengthen them. Those that may be listening across the airways, they're in struggle and battle and hardship but you are God that sees it all. You are God that fills all the galaxies and times and space. You are God that reaches down into the valleys, reaches down into the caves, reaches 
reaches up into the mountain tops. God, you're, you're, you're the one and the only one that can walk in these places and fulfill all the desires and the passions and the hunger and the thirst. You're the only one that can heal the hurting. You're the only one, amen, that give us direction. There's none like unto you. There's none beside you. You are the only one, amen, that can heal us and bless us. The only hope that little one-year-old boy got all said and done is in you. But you see all of his days and weeks and months ahead. As we lift him up in prayer again tonight, we're trusting and relying upon your mercy and grace and your glory, God, to move. Your heartbeat to move, God, upon this place. We're going to give you the glory and the praise and honor for it here tonight. In that precious name of Jesus. In that precious name of Jesus. In that precious name of Jesus, we give you the glory. Praise God. Praise God. Lord bless you and you may be seated tonight. It's a beautiful time to be living for the Lord. And it's no doubt a trying time to search the scriptures and uh, dig out of the word of God. The instructions and the guidance that we need. I'm still talking and uh, preaching and ministering on the topics, and I've kind of blended them all together. A man, a healthy fear of God. And I believe this is very important for each one of us. And a man, I believe it's very important in our community, in our church. I believe that one thing that helped this nation to be founded and established upon even its constitution was they were leaders, and they may not knew God, maybe in the fullness or the full revelation that you and I have tonight of the Word of God, but yet uh, the Bible was the main book they had. And uh, a lot of their decisions as elected officials and uh, willing to form a constitution and form a nation and a place I mean, the heartbeat of this was to uh, create a place that all men would have the liberty to worship God and to serve God. And, and I know that liberty has been taken to the extremes, and now there's borders and walls and things of that nature that wants to be tore down to allow, you know, of any type of person and form of person and their beliefs and and they want to come and tell us that there is a number of ways to heaven and, uh, you know, things of this nature. But yet, thank God for the manual. Thank God for his word. And not only his word, we have the Holy Ghost to help us. And, and, but, but without the word of God, amen, to help all of us, we all find even with the Holy Ghost and prayer, we still got to go back to the written word of God and to make sure that where we at and the voice that we're hearing and the direction that we're, we're following. Uh, how long has it been since you just kind of uh, looked around? How many of us has even got somebody that's a mentor in our lives? How many, is, we, any of us has got somebody that we're really following their footsteps? And we're paying close attention to their lives. And we want to pattern ourselves after their lives. Because as we watch them and observe them, we realize and come to the conclusion that they, they have a glory upon them. They have a favor upon them. They have an anointing upon them like anybody else. Amen. But we see in the direction they're headed, even upon this earth, amen, that uh, there's no doubt the favor of God's will. With them, and they're walking in such a way, in such a manner, that uh, that what they touch and what they get involved in, and it doesn't matter if you throw them in dungeons. It doesn't matter, amen. If you accuse them of things, and they get false accuse, there seems to always that glory is able to blend through and shine through, amen. Regardless of what's said against them and what accusations is brought against them, and where where they may be cast and thrown away sometimes by their own family and sometimes by accused of others and being accused of right being accused of right the opposite of what was going on and and but yet they still let the glory of God and they let the the power of God and they their trust and their confidences in the Lord and you begin 
to realize that. You begin to recognize that, that. That there's something about the glory of God. That there's no substitute for it. Amen. And you can't deny it. And it doesn't just show up in services and when we just on platforms or, or when we just gather together. But it shows up. Amen. It doesn't matter if we're on the job. It doesn't matter what we accused of on the job. It seems to show up. Amen. Because you can't hide the glory of God. You can't hide the anointing of the Lord, the illuminating power of Jesus Christ. You can't hide the countenance of a Christian, a man that woke up in the morning time before they started out on their journey, before they applied their hands to anything. They lifted their hands and lifted their voice unto Jesus Christ and prayed. And before they'd done anything with clean hands and with a clean heart, they lifted their voices and they cried out to him and worshiped him and magnified and exalt him and in you and assurance before they ever stepped out on the journey of the day that this God was going to be with them that the presence of this God was going to rest upon them and it didn't matter what was going to come and it didn't really what matters what was going to take place prayer had done been made connection had done been made and the author of the day was also going to be the finisher of the day and regardless of the phone call that came through the glory of God was still going to show up. Regardless of the devil or devils, amen, that their face, the glory of God was going to be there. Regardless, amen, of what took place and happened, it was just something about this individual and vessel, amen, that the glory of God would always be in their midst. There was always a sure calmness and a peace and a contentment and a satisfaction that it didn't matter what far he dart, amen, amen, that the devil sent his way. Amen. It wouldn't rob him. He wouldn't take it from him. It didn't matter how much mud was slung into his face. It wouldn't take the glory away. It would somehow, some way, amen, find its way through all of those elements. And it just seems to be day in and day out. Amen. Did you know that Adam and Eve never had a rainy day? until they disobeyed. They didn't know anything about rain, literally, and either the other way. They didn't know anything about shame. Why? I believe on a regular and a daily basis, they had the privilege of walking into the glory of God and allowing the glory of God to walk into their lives on a regular basis. It wasn't an uncommon thing, amen, for Adam to have conversation with God on a daily basis, amen, and have companionship and fellowship with him. And he, he knew what it was to have that, that relationship, that, that companionship with him and how that he would light up his day. This is what was stolen from us. This is where the devil using the creature called the serpent to make his way in. Begin to start with the conversation about the word of God and what the word of God had said. And the goal of the serpent was because Eve was not the one that heard the instructions on that day, it was Adam. Because before Eve was ever created, God had told Adam not to partake of the fruit. And so we realized by the word of God that he beguiled her and persuaded her that God himself was keeping something from them. But he told her that God knows that you'll become as God. <laughs> that you'll have the knowledge of good and of evil. Not realizing at that point in time that really what was really going to take place was a death was going to take place. I, I remember the message Brother Ford preached been a long time ago about Adam and the love that he had for Eve. And there's some comments always made, amen. But we understand it was a true love on Adam's behalf, amen, to take of that fruit, amen, because he didn't know what was going to be the outcome of Eve from that point. 
And so, but he was willing, I believe, to take his chance, amen, with God and the mercy and the compassion and the long-suffering of this God. And we know that even from the foundation of the earth, that this was going to transpire and going to take place. I want to preach a little bit tonight about the glory of God. I want to preach about it and give us a little idea, amen, from a few scriptures out of the Word of God, both Old and New Testament tonight, amen, how God feels about you. His glory and at what extremes God would go to at times to defend and protect his glory. Amen. Because we know the scriptures taught us that he will not share his glory with no other flesh. Amen. That includes humans. That includes animals. That includes any and everything that you think of. And whenever we begin to watch this unfold, and I'm going to go back and reestablish into our hearts, our minds and spirits again tonight. Amen. That the glory or the presence of God represents the glory of God. And we're going to see as we use some of these same verses already in this series of lessons that we've been talking about his glory and when you go to Exodus 19 you're going to see there that he came to pass in the third day in the morning that there was thunders and lightnings and thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled this is representing the presence of God this is representing who he was and what he was and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to keep to meet with God and they stood at the other part of the mount and the mount Sinai was altogether on smoke and because the Lord descended upon it fire the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly can you imagine standing before a mountain amen I'm talking about a mountain and all of a sudden it begins to quake all of a sudden it begins to rock and it's moving it's it's not as easy as we might think to stand in the presence of God without some form and fashion of fear and reverence amen even to a point to a place possibly as you were listening to the deafening of the, 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 the thundering that's taking place and we begin to watch the episode of the lightning, amen, the striking and the darkness of the cloud that moves. And out of it, the voice of God, amen, begins to speak and begins to move. And the trumpet becomes louder and louder. God was trying to establish in something called Israel, amen, amen, a fear, hallelujah, of God and the man called Moses because he was going to send him on a journey. And man, the representation of God, amen, all the world was going to hinge upon this because God had to come back to his own creation but I'm telling you God's presence can't just move in any setting God's presence can't move just in any place but I'm telling you it's got to be sanctified even Moses had to sanctify the people hallelujah they had to separate themselves they had to wash their clothes they had to make preparations and on that third day and watch this Moses took even a step further than that called on them and said for them not to be with their wives. God didn't tell him that. Moses. It's called a precept. That's not all. God left it up to Moses. If you read it on, you're going to see that Moses and Aaron actually makes their way and the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount. And Moses went. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze. And many of them perish. Huh. Well, it's pretty, pretty, pretty tough when you really think about it. He says, and let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. Moses said unto the Lord, the people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for thou charges us, saying, set bounds about the Mount and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, away, get thee down. Thou, come, thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priest and the people break through. To come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. And so Moses went down unto the people, and he spake 
unto them. But when you go to the 20th chapter, and there you're going to read the first, one of the first encounters of the Ten Commandments. A man that has been given unto them. And we know right off the start, the first thing that was given, amen, and I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I am the Lord thy God. I am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. It's 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 powerful scripture when you begin to think about it in fact that scripture that talks about and this has been on my mind for a few weeks now and 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 as we looked at it and he talks about visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the third and fourth generation could it be that some of the battles and struggles that we're having even among us a man in the world that we're living in is because some demonical forces and the spirit of iniquity that has increased itself and enlarged itself from one generation to the next because there were some forefathers that just fed, didn't just appear out hated God they didn't want truth they wanted to deny it they didn't want to submit to it they didn't want to yield to it I know and I know I've been mentioning this quite a bit here lately but whenever you will not accept God and the word of God and what it's instructed us it leaves us vulnerable it leaves us wide open when we wind up with stiff necks and hard hearts and rebellious spirits and we're just going to do it our way. We're just going to handle it the way we want to handle it. Amen. It opens up opportunities for the spirit of iniquity and the powers of Satan, the demonical forces to take a hold. We're seeing it. We're literally seeing it, folks. If you wake up and look around you, the denominal world is in trouble. The denominal world, amen, is in trouble because they wouldn't accept the plan of salvation. They don't accept the name of Jesus Christ. They don't believe you have to take it on in baptism. They don't believe you have to be washed in the blood so it leaves them vulnerable and unestablished and ungrounded and so everything they once believed in 30 years ago all of a sudden it's being shaken all of a sudden it's being moving and they're becoming a people that nobody can't even recognize you can walk and take them and walk about in the world and they look just like them they go to the places of the world they dress like the world they act like the world they do the things of the world but I'm going to tell you something there's something absent in every one of their creatures meetings and that's the glory of God it won't be in their miss it won't be in their presence it won't work for them but I'm here to tell you tonight no miracles will work without it and so I'm going to say this we're not exempt it's coming our way coming our way and so you and I have got to purpose in our minds and hearts and spirit that we're going to make our calling and election sure we're going to seek this God not just on a Wednesday night and a Sunday morning a Sunday night we're going to walk with him on a Monday and a Tuesday he's going to, he's going to become that best friend amen the Holy Ghost is in us no, we're not, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost Amen. And the body, the, the Bible's taught us our body, soul, spirit belongs to him. It's not ours. It belongs to him. The service of this body. Watch what I'm telling us. That's the reason I believe it's so important in the morning time when you get up. Amen. At least spend a few minutes. I know you hustled and I know you. I, and nobody's no busier than I am. Okay. Nobody's no busier than I am. Going seven days a week. Amen. Okay, and I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you. I understand that. I know where you're at. I'm there. Amen. But you know what? I better not be so busy that I got to get up in the morning time and I don't take time to stop. Amen. And in some form or manner, have a little altar. I spend a little time before I apply my hands to anything else. Amen. I better be lifting them to Jesus. This temple belongs to you, God. And it's your glory. It has a right to this temple. And not just a right to this temple, but the right to flow through it. And I'm telling you, the devil's doing everything it can. And carnality. We're raising a generation that think they can bypass prayer meetings and bypass 
prayer rooms and just come up on platforms and in churches and get the music right and get the beat right and get the lights right and the glory's going to show up. But I'm telling you, the shaking times are coming and we're not exempt from the rest of them. And the old testing times are going to come. Hallelujah. And that's where it's really going to show up. Amen. And whenever they walk in here full of the devil, when they walk in here so, so bound by sin, I will tell you something. Amen. It's going to take the glory of God to liberate the attic. It's going to take the glory of God to liberate the, the world, the times that we're living in. It's going to take the glory of God to protect our babies from the foul spirits and the demonic forces, the powers of hell that's wrapping our country and wrapping up our nation. I'm telling you, hallelujah, you got to have to have a church. You got to have a church that knows how to pray. You got to have a church that knows how to worship. You got to have a church that knows how to get hold of God. You got to have the church. You can't do it by yourself. You got to have to have a church. She can't be a dead church. And she can't be a half-hearted church. And church can't be, you know, the last thing on your mind. And the church can't be, well, when I got, when I got a little extra time, I'll do. No. We got to get to the place that church is the most important thing. And our actions tells us if the church is the most important thing in our lives. Okay? Our actions, where we invest our time and our energy. But we all know that this is a place the glory of God's got to fall. This is a place that's got to walk up and down these aisles. We just sung the song, No One Else Will Do. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And so, uh, the help of the Lord here tonight and uh, the help of the Holy Ghost. I wanted to talk a little bit about a man, his glory, and, and de- uh, defending the glory. And I'm going I'm to try to make it short. Uh, not, not, not in that way, but I'm going to try to really hold the time. I've, I've tried on purpose not to try to get too many scriptures and try to just, you know, the best I can. And so, I want you to notice something. Amen. Uh, when you go on from that 20th chapter and you actually slip on over and you go further over to Exodus, the, the 32nd chapter, then the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain. And the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, uh, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him, this man. This man didn't bring them out of Egypt. Amen. We know that for an effect. Amen. Man, the man didn't bring him out. God did. God demonstrated through miracles and wonders a sign. I done read to you prior to that in the 19th chapter how that he brought them out, brought them out of out of Egypt, brought them out of bondage. It was God that done it, not Moses. It was God. Now Moses was a representation, and Moses, Amen. And you're going to notice even when he goes up to God and the glory of God that's upon him, that he has to put a veil upon him because it's impossible, Amen, to be in the presence of God and be and have a relationship, Amen. I'll tell you something. It's impossible to come out of red hot prayer meetings amen and backslide the next hour it's impossible amen for churches to have red hot prayer meetings amen and people not get the Holy Ghost it's impossible amen for you and I to connect to heaven and pull heaven down into our midst and not have a move of heaven and see miracles and wonders and signs oh glory I'm telling you we'll do things that nothing else will do and it doesn't need any help You don't have to lie for it. You don't have to compromise for it. You don't have to have excuses for it. It, it, It'll work. So we we believe in that. But but watch what they done. Watch, amen, what took place. The 32nd chapter of Exodus. Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters. Bring that to me. And all the people broke, break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graven tool. Now notice, the people didn't really ask. They just said, amen, make us gods. They didn't say make us calves. We're seeing an old spirit coming up. But we know the first commandment that was given to them after the first encounter going up with God and God sending him back down. Amen. Instructed them. Amen. That he was the Lord God alone. For them not to make anything, any images. 
whatsoever out of anything from the skies from the earth, from the waters, from beneath the earth. There is not nothing that you can make as an image to be in the likeness of me. You know why? Because God was going to make the image of himself. Amen. He made the first one, Adam. But that Adam failed him. Amen. Now he was trying to make a nation. And this nation's going to fail him. But he says, I'm going to make an image called Jesus Christ. Amen. And my glory, amen, is going to come through that man. But he's not going to fail me. He's not going to come up short. They're going to try their best to annihilate him. They're going to try their best, amen, to, to, to stare him, amen, with words and one thing after another. But you know what? They can never put him on the cross. In times whenever they was trying to come up with it, amen, all about the Bible said he would just kind of just, just disappear, just, just be vanished. And sometimes he would go to feast. Hallelujah. They didn't think he was there, but he was there. That's the way it was. But you know what? You can't hide this glory of God. You know what statement they make sometimes? You can't hide money. Well, you can't hide the glory of God. And neither should we ever want to but we ought to want the glory of God to be upon our lives we ought to want the glory of God to be in our conversations we ought to want the glory of God to captivate our minds pulling down every imagination amen that forces against the knowledge of God I'm going to tell you something if you don't give your mind to God the devil will take it you'll reach a place where you'll believe there is no God that's the reason people backslide and do what they do. Say, ain't nothing to none of that. They gave themselves over to the devil. Still never changes the fact that there is a God. Never changes the fact that he's a healer and a blesser and a way maker. We're on a journey. But this journey's got to, you know what? You got to believe that there is a God. And he's rewarded them that diligently seek him. Amen. I remember reading a little uh, deal. Amen. It talked about whenever the West, whenever they would go and take the gospel to the West, a lot of times those clergymen rode horses. A lot of times they would have to cross rivers, and apparently the writer was talking about one particular river. A man said most time it'd be you know swelling waters, and the waters would be just circling, and I mean it would just be a mess. And they would ride their horses across it. But uh, they, the, the practice that the writer would have to do, I'm going to preach on this one Sunday night. He may have not no time, well, maybe in a couple of weeks, but he would see. But anyway, the writer would have to do, you know what he had to do? It's kind of like, anybody ever plowed before? Anybody ever planted something, amen, before they got fancy? Amen, that first, first row, first two rows, the first four rows, you got yourself in that field. You found you a tree or something on the other end of that field. You put your eyes on that, and you didn't take them off. You left them on that right there. And that's what you drove to. You didn't pay no attention to anything else around you. you. That tree didn't move, whatever you put over there, and you kept your eyes on that. And as long as you kept your eyes on that, Brother Ford done mentioned about looking back. You can't be looking back. That's, that's God's business. That's God's glory's business. The signs shall follow them that believe. Hallelujah, because it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. What I got to do is keep my eyes on him. Because you know what? That rider on that horse, if he got to watching that swirling water, all of a sudden he become dizzy and fall off the horse and drowned. There's a lot of swirling waters going on even in this house tonight. You better get your eyes off of them swirling waters on it. You better get your eyes on the maker called Jesus Christ. His glory is more important than all the money in the world. His glory is more important than all the land in the world. His glory is more important than any position the world's got to offer you. Have that, that, that presence of God alive and working in our lives. Now we understand as, as we watch this unfold and the hand of the Lord begin to move. So they, they persuaded Aaron and he took the tools and fashioned this golden calf. And, and at the end of the 40th day, God sent him back down, Moses goes down and Joshua's with him and he hears the voice, he hears what's going on. It's not a battle. It's not somebody in affliction, but it's somebody, man, they're singing. It's, it's a party going on. And sure enough, as they come down, they, they watch them. Now you watch this. Was that golden calf was fashioned for him? And, 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 and Aaron said, he said, tomorrow we're going to have a feast unto the Lord and we're going to sing and worship. And they got out before those golden calves. And buddy, they got beside themselves. 
I will tell you what we, what, what we face in the same old spirit that they faced. The same old attitudes, amen, that Aaron faced. Amen, right there. Amen. We're looking for a God that has no demands. We're looking for a God that'll let me live any old way I want to live, but still have access to His glory, to His inheritance, and to His promises. Amen. That's exactly what they was looking for. Amen. A God that had no demand. They watched Aaron fashion this God. They knew exactly where he came from, but it was also a God that didn't have no eyes to see with. It was also a God that had no ears to hear the prayers with. It was also a God, amen, that was fashioned and formed by a man. How many religions is bombarding this nation along that man has formed and man has fashioned and they called it religion and that's exactly what it is but I'm glad I've been introduced to something called the Pentecost that's been called a man an experience an experience that you'll never forget if you've ever experienced it amen if it's more than just head knowledge but you gotta have a heart transformation it's gotta be more than what you just heard with a natural ear there is an inner ear that's gotta hear it there's an inner heart that's got to experience it there's got to be a transformation that's got to take place. I'm going to tell you tonight, there's nothing takes the place of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the glory of God. We can fake it. We can pretend it. We can paint the outside of this thing to the T. But I'm telling you, the absence of glory will always show up in the vessels. Always, always. And so, as we, we noticed this unfolded and took place, the psalmist helps us out with this a little bit. In Psalms 106, 19 and 20, it says, They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the golden image. Watch this. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They would rather worship an ox, an animal that eats grass, than entertain the glory of God and pay the price to entertain that glory. The glory of God's always cost us. And I'm here to tell you tonight, sin has never been able to enter to the glory of God and it's never going to change even in the New Testament day and time. I'm telling you the old glory, if it's going to abide and dwell with, if you just let me out a little bit tonight, I'm going to get us even to Revelation. I'm telling you Jesus said man when he walked in the midst they had a requirement the angel had a requirement I've got a requirement God you got me get in tune with you and with sin in the camp somebody's got to deal with it you can't just shove it under the rug you can't just ignore it no it's got to be cast out it's got to be put under the blood amen it's got to be removed if it's not it stops the glory of God it'll stop revival it'll stop miracles So, Jeremiah put it this way. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. There's a lot of emphasis and a lot of, and we're not against this. Thank God for beautiful buildings. Thank God for, for great music and great talented singers and great talented people to help. Thank God for people to work in the sounds and work wherever. Amen. To help all of this come about. Thank God for people that's willing to come and work and keep it nice and keep it clean and looking like a place that's very inviting to come and worship. With all of it, it could be million dollar buildings. Amen. But the glory of God's not in the midst of it. The power and the presence. Because see, you can't have the glory without the presence. You've got to have the presence. The presence represents the glory of God. The presence of God is a must. It's not an if and and maybe. Hey, I defy that spirit. Well, if we have good church, we have good church. But if not, oh well, no big deal. I'm telling you, that's something ought to get a hold of our hearts in this house tonight. Something ought to get a hold of our spirits in this house. Some of you really don't care if we have a move of God. 
God or not. Your action says that. You may not like me saying that, but I may, man, I got an obligation and responsibility. Hallelujah, not just to this church. I got an obligation and responsibility to this community and the families of this community and the children of this community. They got a right to have a church. A church is going to stand on the rock. A church is going to pray down the glory. A church is going to believe in righteousness. A church is going to believe in the power of God because everybody's going to need him. I'm telling you again tonight, I know it's Wednesday night, but I've hearted it just nonchalant and occasionally and miss the house of God when I get ready and do this and do that. It'll always make a hindrance to the glory of God showing up. So, you can go to Hosea. You can be seated. My people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. That's one of our biggest problems today is not a lack of preaching. We got more preachers than we ever had. Call preachers, so-called preachers. They haven't been sent and haven't been called to God, but they're out there. And they got to handle a preacher. Well, I won't say this, they wouldn't like it, but I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm, I'm not being ugly here. Now, I don't advertise. I answer that phone, William. I don't tell nobody I'm a preacher. Somebody tells us it's going to be somebody besides me. Okay. I'm not going to tell them because of my actions and my conduct can't inform them. If you got to walk around with a, with, a, with a sticker on you, if you got to walk around with something around your neck, if you got to walk around, you know, hey, I'm a preacher, I'm a preacher. Man, I, I mean, there's some cousin walking there called, I'm a Christian, like, you know, all of America, you're getting 20% off of it. No, if you're a Christian, you ought to pay 20% more. I wish we could get that mentality turned around because that mentality that a Christian ought to just get by, that's what's got into the church. That's what got in certain God. We ought to have this thing sacrifice free. We don't want to pay a price. We don't want to make a commitment. We want everything for absolutely free. Let me live like I want to live. Let me dress like I want to dress. Let me go like I want to go. But tell me I'm all right and going to heaven. But honey, that's not the way it works. Because if all glory ain't here, you're not going to glory either. What's this? If all glory is not here, we're not going to glory. you got to have all glory. And it's our responsibility to protect it. You can be seated. It's our responsibility to protect the glory of God. God very seldom used extreme measures because if you notice in the scriptures, he would leave it up to man a lot of times. But there are a few encounters that God showed us about the mishandling of his glory. And so to start with, and I may maybe I can come back to Romans 1, 22, 25. If, if you don't believe what I'm talking about, let, well, let me read. I, okay. Joshua 1, 1 11, let me go there. And after the death of Moses and the servant, we know, hey, he's dead, he's died. He's talking to Joshua. He tells him, he says, amen, from the witness of the, from Lebanon, let me drop on down. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide, for it inherits the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. That's a commandment. You can't, you can't deviate from the left to right. You've got to keep these commandments. And it goes from that. And, and I won't be long with this. I'll try to just hurry. I know I just got a few minutes here. And I'm going to try my best to hurry. And so he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou shalt mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy ways prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So there is a requirement for these things to transpire, for them to take place. You've got to meditate upon the word of God. You've got to keep these commandments. They're not going to change. Moses has died, but my commandments have not. <laughs> 
They're still just as live and just expected out of everybody as it always has been. And so what happens? Now, you know the time, and I won't go through it. I won't have the time tonight. But from that first chapter, let's go all the way to the seventh chapter. You know, they took Jericho, and God blessed them, and they took Jericho. Amen. But then they had to face another city, an Ahi, a city that really only 3,000 men were sent to take this city. It was a small city. It wasn't going to be a big deal. It was just a little devil, just a little bit of iniquity. I mean, man, I mean, we'll trample over this, and no problem. Don't send the big guns. Don't send the big guys, man. This is a good time, amen, for the beast stream to come in. Hey, man, we're going to tear them up one side and down the other. But there was a little problem that took place, amen, because it didn't matter if he'd have sent the A string. It didn't matter if he'd have sent everybody that they had, amen, because the absence of the glory of God, amen, will never win the battles. The reason some of us is not winning some of our battles is because of the absence of the glory of God that's working on our behalf. I'm telling you, the glory of God wants to take his throne back. The glory of God wants to take his place back in our hearts. The glory of God wants to take his place back in our conversation. Because when the glory of God gets back into that place, you put a bridle upon this tongue. You put a watchman. You'll start, amen, watching what you think. You won't let any little thought come in. And you won't just excuse any attitude and any spirit. Our actions and attitudes and countenance at the house of God makes all the difference in the world. Hey, I'm preaching that. I know I've been preaching, but I'm going to keep on preaching. Because you know what? That's what's going to make all the difference in the world. I am not going to a world event or an event out there and look more excited about it than when I come to the house of God. I'm not going to show up early for a supper meeting and always late to the house of God. I'm not going to always be early for work and make a mighty dollar and always late to the house of God. I'm telling you, oh, glory's out of your life. We can't, we can't do that. And so with Joshua and him, the Lord said unto Joshua, you know what happened in Ahai? 36 men lost their lives. They came back. They couldn't stand. They didn't have the courage. The hearts failed them. And they didn't have the courage to stand. They come back. And Joshua, a man, he even falls on the ground. And he's boohooing and crying and upset about what's going on. And when, God, did you send us out here to be destroyed? And finally the Lord... <laughs> Finally, the Lord, you know, uh, it's amazing to me how often when, when, when afflictions and heartaches and disappointments and, and defeat comes our way, we, we have a prong or sometimes a more subject to say, you know, it's God's fault. <laughs> you listen to that world out there. <laughs> when they chose certain paths, especially at an early age, and they gave their health, their money, Well, I just tell you, some of them, amen, will take that $100 and go buy $75 of drugs, $25 of cigarettes, and want you to buy their dinner and pay for the electric bills. And you're not a Christian if you don't do it. They chose their gods. You tell them, let their gods get them out. Oh, that's rule. That's hard. I'm telling y'all, it's coming to that point. It's coming to that place. Because that world's getting much bigger than what we are. It's not bigger than God. It's not bigger than the mercy of God. And if they'll make up their minds and want to repent, you got to get back to repenting. you got to die, honey. And if you don't want to die, if you want to let arrogance and hide mindedness and know it at all, and I'm going to do it my way, go ahead. Go ahead. That's your choice. There's not one thing I can do about it. Moses couldn't do nothing about it. Joshua couldn't do nothing about it. And William Moore can't do nothing about it either. I got a long ways to go and to get to some of what I want to talk about here just quickly. But anyway, anyway, when you drop down, let's go to the 12th verse. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand because their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies. Because why? Because they were accursed. Now, this is the Lord talking to Joshua. Neither, now, here's the key. Neither will I be with you any more. They got to do something to get the presence of God back with them. He's telling Joshua, Joshua, I'm not going to be with you anymore until something's done. <laughs> you got to take care of this, Joshua. And so we know that what happened, he says, up, sanctify the people, sanctify yourself against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou cannot stand before thy enemies until ye take away the cursed thing from among you. And so we know the story. We know that how a man that, that Achan had to have come before him. He's brought before him and, and he took it into his tent. And he, we know the story, but it had to be deal with, dealt with. Now let me ask you something. Who had to stone Achan? And his children, and his oxes, and all of his animals, and his tent, and even the, the Babylonian garments, and the wedge, and the silver. Who had to stone and pile all that up? Who had to, did God do it? Who had to do it? 
Joshua and the people. In fact, if you go back one time in Numbers, you're going to read about a guy that on the Sabbath day. See, a lot of people don't see the side of God, but on the Sabbath day, he said to keep it holy. And you know what? There was a guy out picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. They found him. Said, hey, he's picking up sticks. They brought him into Moses. Moses said, they put him in arrest. They arrest him. We're not sure to do what to do with him right now. God said, kill him. Guess who had to kill him? Those guys that come in and told on him, said, Yo, come on, let's go out here. Get your stones off. Let's better stone him. We'll tell you something. When you deal with sin, it doesn't matter if it's your family. It doesn't matter if it's your best friend. Uh-oh, watch out. I'm telling you, either you deal with sin or sin's going to deal with you. And, and, and here's the problem. Most religions and most churches has opened up the doors and said, you know what, we're not going to make a stand against sin anymore. That's not a big deal, you know, because my baby's doing it. I'm telling you right now, I heard out of some of them. Amen. The reason that church is battling, she is running, because as one guy went to their main meeting and said, I'm sick and tired of y'all preaching against my daughter. She's a lesbian. She has a right to live that way. You don't have no right to You know what? I'd have jumped up and rebuked him in Jesus' name. Said, you and your daughter, get out of here. Amen. Because that's what needs to happen. We need some Fenfini ads, amen, to get up and say, somebody's got to do about something about the sin. Hello, you. We can't accept sin. Sin will eat us up. So as you watch some of this unfold, it begins to take place. Let me give you just a few examples. I know I'm out of time. 2 Samuel 6, 3 and 8. And here you're going to see where David's bringing in the ark. Now you watch this. Amen. David's bringing uh, the ark in. And, uh, and they set the ark on the new cart. Now watch it. Brought into the house of Abinadab. Amen. And Uzziah and Hoya, there's there. They're driving the car. And you know how that, that Uzziah, he props it. He comes through the threshing hole and he stumbles. And he's, gonna, he's just going to bounce. He's just gonna, it's the glory of God. But remember something. And you can write this down. You can go back to Leviticus. Uh, there's two places it talks about. Amen. Uh, Lord, I thought I had them. Anyway, yeah, Leviticus 23, amen. They, they, they have an error. Oh, well, that's a strange fire. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get through with this, but, but at the same time, watch it. They, let's go to them too. They have an Abihu, amen, the sons of Aaron. Brother Ford had mentioned this the other night, amen, how that they'd offer strange fire, and God killed them. God killed them, had them buried, and Aaron couldn't say not one thing about it. I'm not one of the guys that puts people in heaven or hell and all this big stuff. But you and I got to be careful. That even when it's loved ones, that that we don't come here and start trying to change things. To broaden it up that they could somehow slip in. How does that happen? One way, I'll tell you one way how it happens. It's when vessels that commit sin... And never repents and gets it right. And they're not content to sit in the pew. But they won't own the platforms. And they want to join in with the glory. How many Achans stopped the move of God for Joshua and them? Is there any Bible in that? Okay. Let's, and I know my time's up. First Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Paul heard about a gentleman. That's having a relationship with his father's wife. We don't know, amen, if that's his mother or if his stepmother. But it don't make any difference. It was ungodly. It was unwholesome. It was immoral. And, 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 and you know what? If you read that, he talks about them that they kind of just accept it. And, it, you know, they was kind of buffed up about it because they was tolerating it. Now watch this. We don't know if that boy was sitting in a pew, or if he was on the platform, if he was in the Sunday school department. We don't know what all he might have been doing. The Bible don't tell us. But it didn't matter if he was in the pew, on the platform, in the Sunday school department, in the sound department, or any other department. Paul said, hey, you got to get him out. Get your blessings. Get your favor on him. He said, in fact, we'll turn him loose and bend by the flesh. Let Satan have at his flesh that afflictions may drive him back to God that his soul might be saved. That's tough. But if that's the New Testament, okay, we'll take you to another one. Some of you's like it and some of you's not, but <laughs> take it to another one. Just to show how God sometimes, and I can't explain it all. 
But watch this. And I don't have time. I'd love to. I could take you to the fourth chapter. We see the miracle took place in the third chapter of Acts. The fourth chapter. Amen. The, the, uh, Peter and them brought in and put into the council. And then he, they're delivered and set free. And he, the second message is in that fourth chapter. And the latter part of that. And then in the fifth chapter. Now watch this. Now the, the Sadducees and the Jewish leaders are trying their best to stop the preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. Okay. And God miraculously touches, and, and they let them out this time because next time it's going to be with them. But they, they get, and they, watch this. In the fifth chapter, you read about Ananias and Sapphira. And they come in, and Peter questions, Ananias, why have thy lies to the Holy Ghost? Why have you allowed the devil to deceive your heart? God didn't play around with them, God didn't show no compassion, no mercy, and no time. Immediately, you know why? They were stopping revival and stopping the will of God. And they claimed the Holy Ghost. Where he didn't kill the Sadducees, huh? the Jewish religious leaders, and the prior chapter that had done their best to stop it. He slew two that claimed the Holy Ghost and to be a part of the church. And, when, and guess the, here's the deal. It was in their power. It wasn't a mandate for them to give it. They just wanted to look good. They just want to get in cahoots with the glory and with everybody else looking and doing it. And God didn't put it. Now, I don't ever read again where God ever done that again. But I'll tell you what God done. He showed us how He feels about that. That's how He feels about it. So you and I need to take it to heart. You and I need to take it to heart because this is what it will do. It'll stop. The glory of God. In your own life. And even for the local assembly. When you claim the Holy Ghost. And you claim to be a part of the body. And your housing ways and actions and committing things. Now you can repent and get it right. Thank God. But we just, we just get a little idea. Okay. Let me give you one more. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11 chapter. What did Paul say about those that took the bread and drank the blood unworthily? Afflicted. Sick. And sleep. When you go to Revelation to the seven churches, Jesus gives a warning to them. If they don't do something about their condition, he says... I'll either come in and use affliction or I'll come in and remove the candlestick. This glory business is a lot more serious than what people think it is. There's a lot more to church, and I'm for, I'm for jumping, hollering, screaming, dancing, great music, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm for it. Let's do it. I want it. But there's none of that. What's this? You can't buy the glory. And your talents and my talents cannot pull it down either. It's only certain things that can pull the glory of God in. I'm, I'm going to finish with this and I'm going to let you go. Story came to my mind. Brother Larry Booker told it. He said he had a, an elderly sister, uh, Sister Floyd. Um, and she was born, I mean, her husband and them take, take the, this is how long ago it's been, in 1910. So it was back when he was in Oklahoma. So this, we're talking years and years and years and years ago. And um, he said, you know, whenever the surgeries would get tight and things of this nature, and he said sometimes even when certain ones thought, you know, they could do it without God and all these other stuff. He said he would get this sister to come and sing. He said this particular sister couldn't carry a tune in a bushel. So she couldn't. Said she would croak and crack. and, But he said, I tell you what would happen. He said not one time. He said every time. He said she'd begin to sing. He said it wouldn't be but just a little bit. People begin to worship. Say hallelujah. And begin to magnify God. He said in just a little bit. The glory of God would fill that house. He said I only called her to sing maybe two or three times a year. He said, but every time. He said, and you know what it done for us? 
It helps us always remember that regardless of how well we could do things, without His glory, it's no good. That includes us as preachers. We're not exempt. We're top on the list. Because God's not going to share His glory with nobody. That's right. As we stand in this house tonight, we love you, appreciate you. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get to go to some scriptures, cover some areas maybe, and just briefly touch some of the last. And, uh, but uh, you know what? I'm for fighting for the glory with all that's in me. If you're happy with what glory you got, you go ahead, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as a pastor of this church. <laughs> I'm going to fight for a glory. Because if we don't fight for it and get it back in this house, watch this. I want to do it for these babies, if for nobody else. Because we need that glory, that presence, that anointing, that power to take up residence and operate through us day in and day out. Let's don't forget Friday night, the fall festival. Come be a part of it. It's going to start at 6. Uh, I need two or three volunteers to help us with the hamburgers. Amen, if it could. And uh, we'll start probably around 5, cooking those and getting them ready. And so any, uh, all the other things I think have been pretty well taken care of. And we appreciate that so much. Invite someone if you like. Uh, we don't do costumes. We don't do any of that. If you're going to tell your guests, that's, that's fine. And, uh, but if some comes with costumes, some guests just come off the road. Don't say nothing to them. It'll be all right. It won't be the end of the world. So just let them come and have a good time, okay? Amen. You just don't dress up your kids like dragons and, and witches and all that other stuff. And they'll pick up the message and realize, amen, it's a fall festival. It's not a Halloween time. It's a fall festival. Amen. So that's what we come to enjoy ourselves and have a good time, good fellowship. We love you and appreciate you tonight. Any announcements? I got one. Brother Andrew, uh, Adrian, uh, Sanford's going to be with us Sunday. Amen. He's going to be with us. I'll get it out in a minute. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. But uh, uh, Sanford, young Brother Sanford's going to be with us Sunday. And uh, so let's looking forward to that. Be with us Sunday morning and Sunday night. Okay? All right. God bless you. Appreciate you.